Welcome to this week's episode of the House of Lords podcast. We are your hosts. This is Nicole, and I am joined by Armani. Hey, guys. What's up? And Dexter. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. It's 2021. <laughs> we made it. We're out of... Yeah, we jumped from the fire, like the frying pan into the fire, is what I feel like. It's the fifth day out here. Yeah, and the capital is being overrun by terrorists. Bruh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dre had an aneurysm. Man, like, yeah. And this apparently is... Kanye hooking up with Jeffree Star, so... Wait, what? Oh, y'all didn't hear that one? No. Kanye and Kim are getting a divorce. Like, that's confirmed. Oh, I did hear that. I did like, hear that. Apparently Kanye hooked up with Jeffree Star. I'm not sure where that's from, but I'm just reciting Twitter fake. It could possibly be fake news, but I'm just saying this with, with the rumors. Jeffree Star is a YouTuber who, first off, what are pronouns? Is it he, her, he, him? And he just dresses in drag or is he trans and his pronouns are she, her? Or is it they and them? Well, we just don't know. They and them would be appropriate because I don't completely know. So they and them is all right. Okay. I don't know what none of that really. I know it's not. It's pure ignorance. <coughs> so what are you so saying? He Jeffrey's, was born a boy or a yes, born a girl? He was, he was born male. Born male, but presents on YouTube as female. Okay. And was responsible for. He like. I'm, I'm just gonna. If it's wrong. I apologize because he just is going to flow easier for right now. He was dating a basketball player who was married and had evidently had like left his wife or his baby mom and was running around with him for a minute, like a legit NBA player who's currently in the league. Hey, <laughs> I mean, this is the first time you've ever heard of him then. Never in my life. Okay, so they're saying that that's the source of the BS, huh? Probably not the source. I mean, well, yeah, definitely not the is, source. But I mean, it could be... <laughs> The, the, it could be the straw that broke straw. the camel's back. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> that's great. All right. All right. Yeah. 2020. It's over. 2021 is on the way. Sheesh. No, I don't think that's real. I don't, I don't think it's true, but I mean. We can say what we, you know, real things that are happening in, in the know, world. What's happening? Shonda's show came out. Oh, yes. Shonda has a new show. Brid- <laughs> what, it's, it's called Bridgerton. Shonda done jumped ship. Oh, I've seen world. that on Netflix. Have you watched it? No. I've seen the... I, at first, I thought that was the uh, show you guys were talking about. The Young Dickerson. That's what I thought you were talking about at first, but... I'm glad you said that. It looks like it would be, like, something along those lines of, like, a... It's set in an old time, but it's still new age. I mean, it is, because, like, they had modern music on there. The band at one of the events was playing Ariana Grande. Thank you, next. The entire... The entire episode was the band playing mm-hmm. modern music. That doesn't seem like something's going on ABC. It could have, but it doesn't feel like any of those. It doesn't feel like it would be on any of the big three. Maybe. What, Bridgerton? You it, said you don't feel like that would be on any of the big three? So far, it feels very CW. It feels very, it's extremely detailed. I felt that it felt like something Shonda would have said. And then ABC was like, nah, we can't put that on our networks. That's not family friendly. And then once they saw how Dickinson took off, even though I don't really know if it took off necessarily, but they see how it played out and they were like, okay, now we'll let you do it. I mean, it has a second season. So, you know, that says everything. Apparently, whoever watched it, they thought enough to reinvest. However, it could just be one of those things where, because I mean, they got all the money. So ABC? No, Apple. Yeah, true. So they got all the money for Dickinson. They have all the money. In reality, they can green light whatever they want to green light in efforts to further 
girl value on their little. And we don't know thing. if Shonda actually ever proposed that when she was at ABC. That could just been something that she had on the books, but then the ABC shit like happened. So then she was like, you know what? I'm leaving, and I'm just gonna hang on to this little notebook I got of ideas, and I'm gonna take this over to Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I imagine she holds. She has a whole lot of material that she's just chilling on. It kind of reminds me. It's like Hamilton esque. If Hamilton was a TV show, I can see that because I enjoy period pieces where there are black people where there would not be black people. It's not like Dickinson. It's not like Dickinson in the sense of Dickinson is very family-ish. It's centered around the family and it's not a lot of scandal. You can tell in the first episode that this is surrounded by scandal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it, this is this is messy TV. Like, I think that uh, they're just in two different lanes. I think it is interesting that you brought it up because that's what Nick said about it when the music was being played in that way. I don't know. We'll see how Shonda keeps it moving, you know, getting out of that uh, ABC era of killing everything. Uh, maybe we'll revisit it and see see how it shakes out. There's a lot of things going on right now. What else happened while we were on break? Biden's president. Joe Biden won the presidency. That's being heavily contested by terrorists. Right this second. <laughs> that are storming the Capitol. Or have stormed the Capitol, essentially. The good boys. Or the proud boys. Yeah, so proud boys. A bunch of white nat- terrorists. We're going to come terrorists. They're not nationalists. They're terrorists. Have stormed the Capitol. And like just inside the Senate, posted up, hanging out. And no one's been murdered. Except no one person. One person has died. One person died? Yeah. Just one? Just one. How did they die? Do we know? They were got shot, shot by a cop? They were shot. By a cop? Yeah. That cop's probably going to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Mm. <laughs> That's going to be the example. The All Lives Matter example right there. Nah, he's, he's going to get prosecuted regularly. However, he's going to get a whole bunch of money donated to him and he'll be fine because... That's what they do. A whole bunch of fuckers will most definitely support that and mm-hmm. put some money into a GoFundMe for that guy. So you ain't even got to worry about that part. But when black people peacefully walk down the street, they get tear gassed. But these people have stormed the freaking Capitol building in D.C. In the name of undermining an election. And it's being supported by... There's a group of Republican senators who are supporting this tyranny that is going on right now. One of them is Ted Cruz. This is not that crazy in the sense because we've seen the people who call everyone out as soon as... Like, we watched them. We watched how they catered to George Bush. And then we watched how they switched on Barack Obama. And then... All of the shit talking and all of the finger pointing and all of the scrutiny that they put on him, we've seen it completely shift when Donald Trump came. So so think about it. The people who are that talk the shit, the people that point fingers, they're doing it right now. So they're not going to point fingers. They're just going to sit back and be quiet. That's what they do. This is an ongoing situation at this point. And the only person who's like only Republican... Notable, notable Republican who's really come out and denounced this is Mitt Romney at this point. Like I said, this is what they do. And it brings us to what we've been watching. Your Honor. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to Your Honor first? All right. This is a perfect example 
of this is what they do. Actually, this is a great segue to Your Honor. First up on the docket of shows that we're going to discuss is Your Honor. It is on Showtime. Yep. Comes on Sunday night. There is five episodes currently available to watch. The cast includes Brian Cranston, who plays the main character, the judge. We've got not the biggest star-studded cast, notable people. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. plays his best friend, Charlie. Carmen Ijogo plays Lee. She's a lawyer. And Michael, the judge's boothang, or friend turned boothang. The judge on Showtime follows the story of a young man or starts off with the judge's son adam is driving he has an asthma attack drops his inhaler it takes place in new orleans and an attempt to get his in well while he's attempting to pick up his inhaler during his asthma attack he runs over a kid on a bike he was knee deep in the hood and he was going to visit his mom's the place where his mother was murdered was where he was going okay that's a put a pin in that so he was going to visit the spot where his mom was murdered. And she was murdered in the lower ninth ward. So she was in the hood. We don't know why at this point. So anyway, he, he runs over a kid. So he got spooked by a bunch of guys who were hanging outside first. So he took off kind of fast, went around the corner. As he was circling back around the block where he had put those flowers in his mom's photo is when he saw that those photo and the flowers had been destroyed by the guys who were sitting out there. Mm-hmm. That's when he had the asthma attack. And kind of like in his speeding off to get out of Dodge because the guys were still out there is when he hits the kid Rocco or hits the kid and runs over him with the bike or with his car. He gets out. Kid's fucked up. He like hit his head in his neck on the curb. So yeah, it's like it skidded off. So the back of his head was like gone. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Um, Kid's like dying, choking on his own blood, drowning in his own blood at that point. Um, So he tried. He does try to render aid. He tries to help. But in the meantime, he's still having an asthma attack. Mm-hmm. So he, like, tries to find the kid's phone to dry, dial 911. Nope. Not working out well. So he tries to go back to his car to get his inhaler because he's about to fucking pass out. No, I'm saying nope. He didn't really try to call nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, with that, it died. Okay. Well, Sorry. <laughs> well, he, he, he found the kid's phone in his pocket, tries to go back to his car to get his inhaler, comes back to the kid or whatever. Kid's dead. He dies. And he takes off. So he leaves the scene. He gets his inhaler, leaves the scene, goes to a gas station, gets gas. The 911 operator calls him back and he drops his phone or whatever. He's just so fucking struck about what he did. Like, I, can't, I don't know if we can really call him a dirtbag. I mean, I mean, why did he not pull over when, while he was having the asthma attack? He drove for a minute having that asthma attack. So... Uh, like, not not saying he's wrong for having asthma or anything, it's not <laughs> but I would feel if you have asthma that bad, you should know, hey, if I'm having an asthma attack, I can't get my inhaler, I should kind of pull over. Just stop the car. That's all. Stop <laughs> the car. Good point. So he should have stopped. Okay. Thinks he should have done. Got it. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> so anyway, he ends up going to his dad, who we see as a judge. Said a reasonable judge. Or I'm not even sure reasonable would be the word, but a very he's fair if anything because we see in that first scene where he's introduced that you have that black woman that's on trial with the cop where he said that he saw her put some drugs inside of her mm-hmm. from the hallway in her shotgun house and then he walked he went or he jogged by the house and saw that it clearly couldn't be the case so he's a notable guy yeah, he's, he's a decent decent human being. Good judge. Very fair and balanced. Or at least tries to be when he's on the bench. So his son goes to him and he tells him what he did. But he quickly realizes that he needs to keep this, like, he needs to clean this up. 
because it's going to affect his ability to do his job um, and support his kid. He goes to his best friend and asks him who his best friend is played by she <laughs> friend who's played by Isaiah Whitlock Jr. His best friend, Charlie. He goes to him and he asks him for help cleaning up the situation. And Charlie's like, okay, so Brian Cranston's character is really good at weaving these elaborate ass stories about things when he's telling someone why he needs their help. And it's just so, he's so charismatic that you're like, yeah, I just want to help you. <laughs> and that's essentially what happens with Charlie. Cause he's just, this car has been a constant reminder of my wife and I don't want it anymore. And this happened. I just want to make it all go away. So he's like, Oh yeah, no, I get it as your best friend. I can see that being an issue. So Charlie, he's master flip. Yeah. Like, it's like he's taking all of the things from being a judge, all of the bullshit that he hears, and he's applying it. It's crazy. That is a very good point. <laughs> taking what he's learned day to day from criminals, and he's using it himself. Something that should be definitely noted, that that is what he's doing. Yeah, like, the judge has to, you know, it's, it's his job to say this is bullshit. However, everybody... He knows how they're going to look at it. That he knows how they're going to look at it. Like, he knows how a judge would look at it, necessarily. So it's like... He knows what they would hear and how they would take it. This is yeah. what they're going to Just like when he guided those kids in the elevator and told them exactly how to kind of get with the specific judge. Like, he's just, he's a tactical person. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, so he ran some kids in the elevator and they were... He had, needed their help, right? Well, yeah. Well, they had a large amount of weed on them and he heard them over, overheard them talking about how they were going to get charged with being dealers or whatever. So he kind of gave them some pointers or he gave them some pointers about what to tell that judge about saying it was for his grandmother with cancer because the judge's wife had died of cancer to get out of it. And then as soon as he gave them that tidbit of information, he then asked them for their help to trace a burner phone back to where it was purchased. So yeah, it was kind of a quid pro quo in that situation. Charlie, what he does is he goes to a guy who knows a guy <laughs> to get this car, get rid of this car. The guy he goes to is goes to some other people, some people in the hood and says, hey, we need the car stolen, take it to a chop shop. <laughs> the middleman goes to Little Mo. Little Mo goes to Kofi and says, hey, I need you to go get this car and take it from point A to point B. Kofi's like, cool, I'll do that. And of course, in the process of transporting this car, he gets pulled over. So now, the car that ran over and hit a kid is now being pulled over. Okay. But before we get to that, actually, I gotta back up. He sets up to get the car taken care of, but now he's gotta fix his son, get his son an alibi as to where he was the day this happened. So he literally takes his son... And he's like, look, we're going to do these things. And he's like, why are we doing this? He was like, because this is yesterday. You need to live yesterday. And he was like, why? He's like, because it's one thing to say you did these things and then have to keep answer for them. And then when you're lying about something like that, you forget details, things get mixed up. He's like, but if you actually lived it, then just muscle memory, you'll be able to bring it back up. So he literally like takes him to a cafe. They have all these conversations, interact with these people. Because the point was that the people that he interacts with aren't going to remember exactly what day of the week it is. But they'll remember tidbits of, like, their conversation. Like, he said the waitress will know exactly what day it was because she did this. But she'll also remember it was the day she spoke to this judge about this XYZ situation. And then they went to the grave, which was the anniversary of the wife's death. And they left a note. And the note was traceable. Like, he did all of these things so that if anyone asked questions later, he wouldn't have to think too hard about it. Because he actually did them. So they weren't a lie. It's just a lie about when they happened. That was like the cleanest shit ever. Judge Jedi shit. <laughs> Armani, what did you think about that scene? The same exact thing. 
I was just like, bro, this is the manipulation of the system. This is probably going on somewhere. Someone just wrote a true story about it. This is this is happening in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna try to pick a state where this is likely to have gone down. Based on season three of Serial Podcast, this is probably happening in Ohio. It's interesting because I just watched Seven Seconds recently mm. uh, over our little break and. It's very close to that. It's very interesting. You know, seven seconds had the cop running the kid over and you have this situation where you have a child of a judge running him over. Very interesting in the same, you know, it's like they're tying up the same things. They've somehow weaved in the cops and, you know, Mm -hmm. and I guess you'll get to that when they started to torture the kid. Yeah. So... (laughs) The kid gets arrested. We learn that the kid that got run over, Rocco, belongs to, his name is Rocco Baxter. That's who he is. And his family is very wealthy. And then we learn that they're also connected. So they are, I don't know what the lineage there was. It seems like they might be Middle Eastern. Italian almost. Yeah. His wife was kind of white. So. And then the dad is the guy from Boardwalk Empire. I don't know what he is. He's played everything. The daughter, when she was talking, I don't know, maybe if she was just talking about shit in the Middle East or whatever. So we don't we don't know the nationality of, of the Baxter family, but they are, I guess we could just say mob related just for the sake of... I mean, they're bad people. We know that. <laughs> essentially because they put hits out on people and are happy about it after. Yes. Their goal is now to get revenge for their son's killing. And they think that Kofi did it. Now it's he's got a target on his back. We then learn that the Baxters have a son who's in jail, and he seems kind of crazy. He looks crazy as fuck. Mm-hmm. We don't know what he's in jail for. But while they're trying to get him out to go to his brother's funeral, um, when they go to bury the kid, they then get him switched. Like, he was in prison, and he had, like, a week left on his sentence, or a couple days left on his sentence, or whatever. They had him transferred to the county jail where Kofi was at. And so he gets, he gets to Kofi, and he kills him. Let's also know, he, oh, I mean, you said he killed him, but the kid was a racist as well. Kills him. He beats the crap out of him. Please, let me back up. So Kofi first had wanted to plead not guilty because he, he didn't do it. He didn't do this. But then the little Mo I went to him was like, look, just take the deal, take the bid, plea out. We'll take care of you while you're in jail. You won't serve that much time. This, that, and other, yada, yada, yada. So he goes back and he completes guilty. Now. Exchange protection. Yes. Now, while this is going on, or while this is unfolding, Brian Cranston's kind of losing his shit because you've got this innocent kid who's about to be wrongfully convicted of something that your son did, A. And then he goes and pleads guilty to something that you know he didn't do. So now he's like, why the fuck did he plead guilty to it? Like, what is going on here to where he would plead guilty? And then Brian Cranston's trying to take back routes to make sure the kid doesn't end up too bad like he asks he asks his friend lee to defend him tries to get him a good lawyer figures he can you know get him a reduced sentence if not get him out or whatever on technicalities and have you um and he does that stuff basically just trying to watch out for the kid but the kid ends up getting killed <laughs> what should have been a simple take my car to the chop shop and just make it disappear has now turned into an innocent young man being murdered is where we're at with this mm-hmm. so his son adam is also feeling bad about the situation because he kind of wanted to just turn himself in from the start. And his dad talked him out of it. Kofi gets killed. Then what the fuck happened? Um, and at the same time, they're also hiding this from Adam. Because he's clearly feeling the guilt of what he did. And the fact that Kofi was going to jail for what he did. Um, so he started acting out. It's like he got into a fight with his best friend, was it? Uh, he also started sleeping with his teacher. We're five episodes deep into this. And at this point, 
We then learn that Kofi was associated with a gang called the Desires in the Lower Ninth Ward. And that gang is run by Big Mo, this female queen pin that we discover. And the Baxters, in an effort to completely tie up all of the loose ends about what happened to their son, decide to go in and they blow up Kofi's family's house. They end up killing his mom and his three little siblings. His one and- brother was not in the house. Go ahead. What you about to say? Now I'm just saying, like, that scene, because, you know, try to save it for my Black Pain films, you know, and we forgot to mention a little tidbit about, he was going to get out that next morning. Kofi was going to get out the next morning. Yes. And literally, I was sitting there watching it, and I was like, okay, you know, he's going to get out, it's going to be okay. I feel like, you know, they're, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. <sighs> yeah, because as soon as they, they said Kofi was getting out the next day, they started to play with the, he was going to die. But then mm-hmm. he was saved. So you're like, oh, okay, cool. He's going to get out. And then at the last minute, they put him in the same cell with the Baxter kid. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. All right. I, I didn't think I didn't think the opening of that next episode, though, was going to be him in a body bag. Like, I thought it was maybe they were going to try to be like, oh, okay, you know, he told him he didn't really, like, something, at least. No. Yeah, let me change Kofi ends up dead. His family's now dead. His one brother is orphaned and alone. Big Mo pays for this funeral. Brian Cranston gets a message that they know that somebody knows that his son is responsible and they want $220,000. $222,000 is what they want in cash and they want him to bring it somewhere. He gets ready to go do that and he doesn't even have all the money, but then he starts to try to call the person's bluff, whoever it is, and say, I don't think you really got evidence or whatever. And the person's like, All right, you don't think I got evidence? and sends them some video. Somebody knows that. I mean, we're led to believe that it's the person that was talking shit and beeping the horn behind him at the gas station because that's the point of view of footage right mm. yes it is okay i didn't even think about that yeah the baxters again think that this whole thing is a setup for this like that the desire mob is that their son's death was not just a accident a hit and run they think it was a hit done by this gang so big mo the head of the gang ends up going to the baxters and they're like, first off, Kofi ain't have shit to do with this because your son died on the 9th. He didn't get the call to pick up that car until the 10th. So now the bachelor's looking like, wait a minute, what? They're like, yeah, he didn't get the call to pick up the car until the next day after your son had already been killed. So you killed the wrong, not only did you kill the wrong kid, you killed you his whole family. Um, yeah, for that- no reason. And the bachelor's just like, all right, well, we got to confirm this. And they're like, confirm what the fuck you ever you need to, but you're going to fix it. Like, you're going to make it right somehow and as they start to go to confirm it is when they go to they first they they go to the cop who was who was on their payroll and they're like yo you told us that this was what it was and like well he confessed so i didn't think i need to look any harder and he was like called bullshit on that but he gave him a flash drive that had all the evidence that they had on it and the mom who is like just fucking ruthless was like so it was a 911 call on there and he said yeah so just listen to it and that's when we hear when the 911 operator had called Adam, had called the phone back, and you hear Adam at the gas station. So that so they know that whoever hit him took his phone and then went and got gas after they ran him over. So the dad follows this little trail to the gas stations in the area, tries to see if he can find video, goes to the one, and lo and behold, he finds the one that Brian Cranston had visited earlier and took the video and destroyed it. But the dude at the gas station, when he... He has this picture from the newspaper clipping that has a picture of Kofi and a picture of Brian Cranston's character. 
And he's trying to identify Kofi, but he's like, yeah, no, that guy was here. And he's the one who looked at the video. And he's the one who destroyed it because he had gave this elaborate story about having cheated on his wife and wanting to, to hide it. So now the Baxter's... Hourly motel. <laughs> yeah. That, that story was crazy. He said the, the next charge on the credit card was a motel. He was like, oh, that's not a very high-class place. He said hourly. He said, yo, <laughs> this guy is crazy. Like, he's... Whatever. So, very reminiscent of his character on Breaking Bad, as far as the way that he does things. This is where we're at at the end of episode five. Kind of gives you the gist of where we're at so far on this season. And that's how it ends. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. It was... It's very... It's crazy because you see how this judge who goes above and beyond to help out on his cases is now going above and beyond to try to cover up what his son did. When truthfully, my thing is, if he had just went to the cops at the beginning, his son legitimately had an asthma attack. It wasn't, they could have totally ran with the whole PTSD thing. And if anything, like he's a judge, they would have low-key pulled strings. Really, he would have got accidental manslaughter, if you think about it. Well, and he fled the But he rendered aid and then was in shock. They could have, like, they could have just run with that. I guess the fact he also, well, no, he didn't try to cover it up till the end. I will say this is a very bold idea for a series. Like, clearly this is going to be a, like, a one season kind of thing. Because I don't, I don't, there's no way they could go on with the season two and make it. Mm. Makes, I don't think so. Because honestly, this was going to end, I thought this was going to end when Kofi died. Um, I thought it was like a three-part series. And when I saw it was coming on weekly, I was like, wow. Because this, this is elaborate. It could end, I think. However, with any court case show, you have you have potential to get a, a season or two out of anything that has a court case, especially when you have a cover-up. Because they could catch his ass at the end, and the show could be about him next season. They do have, you know, I don't know if there's eight episodes or there's ten episodes. They have time to wrap it up, like you said. However, they want to. I feel like I don't know if he's signing up for another. Uh, possibly not. I mean, this could definitely be an anthology type thing because I could see they've already set it up to where you we could do a deep dive into Big Mo and that whole situation with her gang. You've got a setup where you've got the Baxters and their whole family backstory and why their son's in jail, and we still don't know why the mom was murdered or how she was murdered and what she was doing in the, ninth, in the lower ninth ward. So that's at least two seasons worth of. I would think it's at least two more seasons worth of content. Mm, I think they'd have to have a real, real hitter with that first episode on any of those just to make me stay for it, though. Or depending on how this season ends. We'll see how this season ends. But, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, like, locked in. Like, I think it's a really great show. It's a very smart show. Content's great. I like it. Yeah, he's really flourishing. It's crazy because he's in his prime right now with his old ass. Mm-hmm. Shout out to him, man. He's really been doing a lot of great work. And you know who else is shining, but he's not doing great work? Liam Neeson. <laughs> he is getting that check, but God damn it, he keep making the same movie over and over again. And we like, whatever. You know, he's different. This is this is not the same. Brian Cranston <laughs> keeps putting out good shit. I would concur. Speaking of old people doing good stuff, um, did y'all see Michael Keaton's going to be Batman? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Hufflepuff is out. Or no. Well, the Hufflepuff is out. Ben well, Affleck out. There. He's still there. They said there's going to be two ongoing universes, I guess. So 
I think they may try to do Robert Pattinson stay with Justice League and maybe Michael Keaton's take off with this Joker that they've set up. Use like this Joker backstory with um like a Batman Beyond kind of team up. I just want to say, like, I threw out the Batman Beyond scenario years ago, and people looked at me like I was nuts. But I was like, that's such a great, like, we just keep Michael Keaton as Batman. Like, we don't even have all these other Batmans. And I think the Flash and obviously the Flash movie, not obviously, but um, it seems as though the Flash movie is setting up to do a Flashpoint storyline so we can see the DCEU multiverse. Um, It has potential. What did y'all think of Wonder Woman? Didn't watch it. Still have not watched a Wonder Woman film, to be honest. You haven't watched either one of them? No. Dexter, what did you think of Wonder Woman? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I just wonder if you liked it or not. Cool. To me. I thought it was all right. I mean, it's not the greatest thing in the world. However, it was good. I liked it. Wonder Woman is not the greatest character to me in the sense of, like, she's not, like, this layered character. She is... A character that is just trying to figure out Earth. She's not an Earthling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's like this. Like I said, it's not a layered movie. It's save the day. I'm Wonder Woman, and in this particular situation, the movie's not even about Wonder Woman. The movie's about Cheetah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The movie is about Cheetah, and and the movie is about Oscar Isaac. No, Pedro name. Pascal. Yeah, I, I think they're the same person. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were hanging out for New Year's. Pedro Pascal. Uh, it's The movie's really about him and Cheetah. Wonder Woman just saves the day. Like It she's, is. She's intertwined in their story. She doesn't really have a story. Her story is a love story from the first movie. It wrapped that up. And mm-hmm. I think they found a way to bring into things, bring things in that they're going to bring into Justice League. Like the invisible plane, they they brought that into play. Um, the fact that she actually learns how to fly, they brought that into play. The fact that she can ride lightning with her whip. like So things that can happen or will happen in Justice League or that we'll see, we know where they came from. It's a second origin film. Yeah, it's just, a, it's completely, I see exactly why they did it the way that they did it. So you got the first one and then this is the second one it takes place after that, but before Justice League. Yeah, so they're just slow walking. This has nothing to do with anything. They're literally just showing you the story of Wonder Woman, which is worthy. Saying Wonder Woman has always been second to Superman. So at the end of the day, she deserves her own stuff. I understand why she gets her own origin stories. It's, you know, she's a fucking Amazon. <laughs> and Zeus is her dad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, sounds interesting to me. <laughs> okay. So that's our Wonder Woman 84 review. <laughs> Moving on to the anticipated film from last year, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which was Chadwick Boseman's last film. This stars Viola Davis as Ma Rainey. Chadwick Boseman plays a character named Levy. Got a lot of other very familiar faces that we've seen. Glenn Truman plays a character named Toledo. You got Cole Domingo, who you'll recognize from Euphoria, who plays Rue's sponsor. Yep. Yeah, plays Rue's sponsor. literally just had that whole entire episode that you were raving about and saying that it was really all about him. Yeah, and it was so and, good. I mean, this movie literally is about him, Glenn Turman, and the great Chadwick just going back and <laughs> forth. This takes place in 1927. It is a, an August Wilson play. So this is the second one, I believe. We had Fences. We've got this. Um, so whenever 
Denzel Washington does a movie that is based on a play, or any, any movie really that's based on a play. Plays take place, for the most part, in one location. So this whole movie took place in one day in a recording session, or over the course of a day in a recording session in 1927. So Ma Rainey is attributed as the creator of blues mm-hmm. music. She was a real person. Right from the beginning, like, again, it's an August Wilson play. Kind of a side note, there's a great Netflix kind of documentary on the August Wilson competitions that happen. And you have all these young students who show up and they recite different monologues from different August Wilson plays and they compete for prizes and scholarships. So if you watch, that's on Netflix. So I would recommend watching that. If you have not already, definitely check it out. Because to me, it takes this movie to a whole nother level just because these monologues are so good by these actors like between Chadwick and Chadwick <laughs> and Chadwick <laughs> and Chadwick and Chadwick damn that boy was good the yeah. best yeah he really was he plays Levy who's an aspiring songwriter and he's a trumpet player in Ma Rainey's band But he's writing music and he's giving it to these producers and they're trying to get this record cut. And Ma Rainey is not a very easy person to work with. In her true story, like in the autobiography, they talk about how like she was really like assertive and not afraid to put people, white people, in their place in sessions like this. So this was done pretty accurately or it was written pretty accurately to how she was in real life. Allegedly. She's not even she's she's not even really the star. Like Viola Davis, her scenes were great. She did a great job. The singing, I guess when you have an actor playing a singer who doesn't sound like that person, it just it looked like she was lip syncing. It was clear she was lip syncing. Yeah. Yes. I do agree. I will say that this movie was more about the band than Ma Rainey. Most plays that are made in the movie, the acting feels like it's over the top. Because you're delivering play monologues yeah. in a movie. So it comes off as it's monologue, like it's, it's a play. In the beginning, we get Levy, again, who's played by the amazing Chadwick Boseman. He shows up late to this recording session. You've got the band down in like a basement. That's not even that great of a basement practicing. <laughs> you know how bad a basement has to be for you to say it's not that great of a basement. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in there with these new pair of shoes. Like that was one of the things at the beginning. I watched it twice, okay? The first time, I didn't catch the whole shoe thing. But when he comes in and he's talking about, like, he's got these new shoes and he spent, like, $18. I meant to check what the conversion rate from, but they said there was a week's pay. That $18 that he paid for those shoes was a week's week's worth of earnings. So that's a lot of money to be spending on some shoes. And they, they were kind of clowning him for that, but he's like, whatever. And the dude, Soul Jack, was like, oh, everybody deserves some nice things. Everyone's wants some nice shoes. One of the parts that I thought was really funny in this whole conversation was when they when he was making the comment about just wanting to have a good time and they were like more niggas have died trying to have a good time than god has ways to kill them mm. <laughs> the best quote of the movie in my opinion so fucked up because it's true because <laughs> <laughs> um, cutler was trying to tell him like look we need to work focus on work you everybody trying to always have a good time and that's the problem with black folk is y'all always folk y'all young black folk are just trying to have a good time with um fast forwarding we get, we quickly see, I mean, the movie is not, it's well acted. That's, that's period. Um, we see, it's, it's, it's kind of predictable, I guess. Yeah, I'd that's say that. Predictable. And we saw that once they showed Ma Rainey and her girlfriend, that we kind of figured that, all right, well, Levy's going to do, like, he's probably going to mess around with her, which he sure enough did. Levy ends up flirting with and then sleeping with Ma Rainey's girl. And we quickly see some tension between Ma Rainey and Levy. 
because he wants to be front and center and it's her band and it's about her, but he's trying to, you know, branch out and do his own thing and can't really be contained or doesn't really want to be contained or whatever. I so you join a band and you want to be the lead singer all of a sudden. Cutler actually made that point. He was like, I told you that this was an accompanying band. Like you just, it's my <laughs> music to do what she says. Yes, yes, not yeah. your own thing. Ma brings in her nephew to sing or do the intro to this one of the songs, and the kid has a stutter. So that becomes another layer in this movie of what takes forever to get this track played because the kid stutters like crazy. So that was hilarious to me. But they end up getting the track cut, finally. Once they do, they quickly try to, the dudes who are recording it try to mess around with the money that they were going to pay them and she's like well no nah, you're gonna pay me because i didn't sign any release forms yet so if you don't pay me i'm not signing nothing so all this work would have been for for nothing and you can't do nothing with the songs until you pay me so they pay her she signs the release or what have you again back to the band they are just kind of down there arguing and having these discussions and toledo steps on levy's brand new 18 dollars shoes okay and this is when this escalates. This is like the third act and when it starts to end. And this, when I first watched it, I was like, I didn't get why he was so pissed off about the fucking shoes. I'm like, why is he making such a big deal about you stepped on my shoes? Like he was getting in this man's face about having stepped on his shoes. And when I first watched it, I thought that Toledo had a heart attack. And then it was the second time I watched it when I realized that Levy came up behind him and stabbed him and killed him. Over scuffing his shoes. I'm gonna scuff my shoes like I let them white men scuff my mama. Before we learned that he had gone through some things at the hands of some white folks. His mom had been hurt. Yeah, so it's very much, I mean, we just get this, this, this layered 1920s black trials and tribulations story from the viewpoint of just different people. Did you like it, Armani? I did like it. I can't lie. I did tap out after he told the story of his mom. Because I said, you know what? I said I wasn't going to watch no more Black Pain movies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop it right here because I feel like it's going to get real Black painy. So afterwards, <laughs> that, that's where it stops. Up until then, it was a great movie. Damn, you turned it off there? I was just, I just checked out. I was like, all right, I see where this is going. You should have finished. Uh, you should finish. Dexter, what do you think? It was just great, like great acting. It, it it's really scary how that's probably his best performance ever, and it was his last performance. It's weird. That's weird, yo. Cause he so much so much acting chops in that particular movie. Like he was on the screen, commanding the screen. It was dope. The movie was done well. I, however, you know, I think that if you were looking for a complete movie. You might have been mad at the end because it just goes off. It doesn't. My Rainey is not at the end after he gets stabbed. That's it. Yeah, I think if you go into this or went into this movie not knowing that it was based off an August Wilson play, you could definitely be left disappointed. You you could be slightly disappointed, but there's no way. I don't see how anyone could walk away from this film and not talk about how fucking amazing Chadwick's performance was. Like, this, he's going to get, like, we looked it up, and, or I looked it up, there's only been three people who've gotten posthumous Oscars after they've died. He's definitely going to get an Oscar nomination. Probably should get two. There should probably be two Oscar nominations for Chadwick for this and for Five Bloods. I feel like he deserves an Oscar nomination for it. He should definitely get one for this, and I feel like he should win for this, for this performance. It definitely was, there was a scene where he was talking about how he was pleading with God when his mom was being attacked or like where was God when that happened 
it was such a powerful scene and I definitely think it's some Oscar worthy performances. Viola Davis got a Oscar for Fences. I think she probably might see another nomination for this. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if she'd win, but I definitely see it, you know. So Oscar nods going around for sure. That wraps up the the main movies that we were going to talk about on this episode. Sleepers. Let's talk about sleepers. Get there. So Armani, what's your sleeper for this? All right. My sleeper is actually a show this week. It's going to be The Best Leftovers. I literally just... And it's one of those kind of cooking shows, like just... Not just desserts. But basically, they give you leftovers. And they're like, make a gourmet dish out of this. And it's one of those fun shows. Real lighthearted. Got it. What channel is that on? It's on Netflix. It's a cooking show. All righty. My sleeper this week is going to be The Flight Attendant on HBO. Oh, with Oprah from uh, Big Bang Theory. Yes, with Kaylee Cuoco. It it was about, I don't remember how many episodes it was at this point, but they were releasing them two episodes at a time. At first, I was like, this is interesting that they would do that. But then once you get to about the fourth episode, it kind of feels like it drags a little bit. And I was like, I get why they're doing two episodes at a time, because no one would watch this shit one episode at a time, week to week. Because there's a lot of just flashbacks and, you know, stuff that can kind of get kind of tedious. It's definitely a bingeable show. I would recommend binging it. At this point, it's over. It's ended, so you can just binge it. But once you get to the end, like, it's good. I do like Kaylee Cuoco a lot. She did a really good job on this. I'm glad to see her in something outside of Big Bang. It did give a, a build-up to a possible second season because Rosie Perez's character, we find out, is, like, knee-deep in some things. I'm not going to spoil it, but... Rosie Perez? Yes. So definitely check it out. Flight Attendant on HBO. Dexter. My sleeper is Black Monday. Black Monday comes mm. on Showtime. For those that don't have Showtime, you know, we're going to give y'all the plug, even though they're not paying us. Showtime, you can get on Hulu. I think it's like $5 a month or something like that. But you could also get CBS and Showtime together for $10 on Apple. If you go to like Apple TV or whatever and you add those. But anyway, for the people that don't have Showtime, Black Monday is a show with Don Cheadle and Regina Hall. It's an interesting take on the stock market and Black Monday in the 80s when it crashed and a whole lot of crazy shit happened. It's a wild show. He has a stretch Lamborghini, which doesn't make any (laughs) sense. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of gives you an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, It's a really good show. It's coming back this month. So that's why I'm bringing it up as a sleeper. But as far as what we watched, oh, man. So we watched some The Wrestler, which is an older movie with Mickey Rourke. I watched The Losers. I watched Tombstone. For the first time. Well, we got to pause there. We got to pause now. So he was a first time Tombstone watcher, Armani. Said, how did you go this long? Do you not have any old black women that love you? (laughs) Wow. I saw that when I was like six with my grandma. I had me watching... uh, Gunsmoke. My grandma was real old. You know, it wasn't Tombstone. Not too far off, though. Stuff that was black and white. As far as old stuff, I watched Passenger 57. I watched U.S. Marshals. It's a movie with Sylvester Stallone. Demolition, Demolition Man. Man. And I realized that... Jesus, for the Go- first time? Wesley Snipes, no, I watched those before, but these are things that I watched because I went on a Wesley Snipes binge because anything with Wesley is good. I'm stamping that. And then we decided that we were going to watch a whole bunch of movies with my boy Leo in it. So I watched Wolf of Wall Street, tried to watch Shutter Island, didn't really care, turned that off. What's Eating Grilled 
Gilbert Grape. If you've never seen Woods Eating Gilbert Grape, was that watch a good Leo. It was good? Yes. Yeah, you gotta watch Young Leo. He plays a he plays a mentally challenged little boy to the T and he got nominated for an Oscar. It also has Johnny Depp in it and Juliette Lewis. But I also watched some shows. I watched Flight Attendant as well. I watched The Masked Singer for the first mm-hmm. time, something I never watched. I watched True Detective season three with Mahershala. Also, Greatness. I watched, I think that's it for series. We finished Power. Selena. We watched Selena. I watched Selena. Definitely watched Selena. That's going to have a second season because they didn't even chat. They didn't even really do much there. Yeah, you got the beginning early Selena and then you got where she meets Yolanda. So that's where it ends. And then movies I watched that are like newer. I don't know if you've ever seen Edge of 17. It's actually a really good movie. That was really good. That was a good one. Soul came out. Yeah, Soul on Disney Plus did come out as well. Was it good? Was it Cars like good? It was Coco good. Was it the good dinosaur good? It's good dinosaur good. Sylvie's Love. I think that was the last movie that I can think of that we watched. That we're going to talk about on a different episode of the podcast. That that deserves a little more time. All right, just cut that out. Well, no, we'll leave it because, I mean, if you haven't watched Sylvie's Love, you should watch it. All right. So you you had like ten sleepers or like twenty. <laughs> yeah, those are sleepers. That was just rapid fire of what I did on your Christmas on break. break. Yeah. yeah. What I did. Now we know what we can't name for any other. <laughs> that, was, that was my sleepers for the next like four podcasts. <laughs> None of them. All right. So those were our sleepers. Any anything else you guys want to add? Chime in on. Throw out there. Mention? Nope. Going I, on think, I think that's a podcast. That is a podcast. So, until next time, take care of yourselves and be good to each other. Happy New Year. And welcome to 2021.